With your hands on my shoulders A meaningless movement A movie script ending The patrons are leaving Leaving Hello, uh, I'm Craig, English film nerd, film fan, living in Wales, and uh, I'm going to make my life much easier, like straight off the bat with the following statement tonight. Uh, what Tyler said, but for the other film. Should I'm cover Tyler. it. That's, yeah, that probably should cover it. That's about right. Um, I'm Tyler Hosley, and one of the movies this week is in my top ten of the year. And I'll just I'll give you guys a little hint. It's the only movie this week not called Asteroid City. I'm Dave Gray, and sure, we've all thought about it, but only I had the guts to do it. Ha ha ha! I'm Kevin Matthews, Scottish film fan living in England, and um, yeah, I'm probably going to upset Tyler even more this week, along with Dave, because Dave and I know there are many more similarities between the movies this week than there are differences. And this is Raiders of a Podcast. Yay! Yeah, yeah my review is going to be between Tyler and uh, Craig's and just be like, yes, for both. Oh, mine. Oh, mine. No, me. You give Kevin I, I the blame he deserves. I, I brought the way he Oh, no, I expect you both to gush on. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, oh, but you're like, not going to oh, yeah, love yeah, it yeah, as yeah. much. I'm talking about just love amounts. No. I mean, Kevin liked it, I'm sure, but he's not going to kidnap a child and name it Asteroid City, Craig, again. I'm, I'm, I'm the one who's going to purge my balls, basically. Yeah, I mean, you know, yay. Speaking Ooh. of purged balls, uh, thanks for the segue, Craig. It's, it's, good no to get, it's good to get all of the cheesy Christmas movies out of the way as much as I enjoy them, so... I got the last few done, and then I was on to my massive binge of films that might actually be quality. So, um, good stuff was watched, including Saltburn, which I thought was great. I agree with the general consensus of that being really, really good. And Rosamund Pike com continues to be arguably the most consistently enjoyable and attractive sociopath on screen. Uh, so that's a, a good niche that she's working in. I watched Cat Person. Have you seen Cat Person? I know some of you have seen so far. No. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's seen Cat Person. Oh, don't don't give it the Dave yeah. I, mean, <laughs> oh, I'm I really sorry. like Cat Person. Well, yeah, but I haven't been able to talk about it yet because I also watched it this week. All right, so okay. I'm well, trying to be, you know, fuck. Uh, I really serious. Like I I thought it was, I thought it was great. Um, it has its its point made at the start, and then takes you on a journey to really underline everything about that to quite a crazy ending that I still really enjoyed. Uh, Flora and Son is probably the weakest film I've seen from John Carney, who did the excellent Sing Street and uh, Once. 
and I can't remember the other main title. Um, it was still enjoyable enough, but I was hoping it would be better, especially after the magnificence of Sing Street, which is a, a high bar. Uh, Leave the World Behind, which I know Craig watched. I did. I really enjoyed that. I, there's something about it. It kind of, I, I don't know. It's almost like it doesn't so much build to a finale as just eventually put a doorstop down. I think that's yeah. the only way I can describe it. But it, it still doesn't really spoil things because it's just a couple of hours spent with a great cast doing great work. So I was pleased to finally make time for that. Uh, Past Lives, which has already had a lot of rave notices from people, and I really enjoyed it. It's a really kind of um, sort of delicate, thoughtful film that just won me over. Uh, Wonderful stuff. And then today, uh, long last, it dropped on Mubi. I watched uh, How to Have Sex. So you can make all the jokes uh, that you want. But it's uh, basically the tale of three British teenage girls on holiday. The kind of uh, holiday that is all about lots of alcohol, lots of loud club music, and lots of uh, chances for potential hookups. But then, you know, how do those hookups come about? And where are lines of consent again and what happens when you just kind of try to put on a front in the company of friends. Uh, so it's really good and actually makes a, an interesting sort of um, pairing with Cat Person or maybe a, a counterpoint to it in a way. So it's been a good week and I look forward to that continuing uh, because I'm just going to keep cramming until I can cram no more. I watched uh, Miracle on 34th Street, the original one. Judge Dang. Denise, it's a good one. Uh, they're a little too condescending to the lead woman, but, you know, it's the, what, 40s? And of course they were. So, you know, you kind of just accept that. It it still feels icky, though. And uh, Muppet's Christmas Carol, which I love. It's the Muppet's Christmas Carol. You either love it or you're wrong. I really need to see that because every, every year I see the same Twitter post, which is, that Michael Caine playing that film as serious as a fucking heart attack, and yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's perfect. It it is it is if not the best, it is one of the best versions of Christmas Carol out there. Uh, and as stated earlier, I watched Cat People or Cat Person. Sorry, it's okay. Uh, I I did not love it like Kevin did. It's overlong. They stretch out the... It's not as sharp as it should be. They stretch out the source a bit too much. It's fine, but uh, you should just read the book instead. Book? Yes. It's a thing. It's it's paper with words printed on it. It's a new thing, is it? Yeah. yeah, It's brand new. It's the newest oh, okay. media. It's why uh, only the hip cat kids know about it. I also watch Saltburn. It's okay. It's not great. 
It's a good cast on a bad script. I'm going to say it. It's not as sharp as it should be. It's way too kind to the rich people. Uh, the cast rocks it. I mean, it's the exact. It's it's just like Promising Young Woman, where it's a fantastic cast on an okay script that does not work as well as it should. It just doesn't. Uh, Barry Keogh gives a great performance, but he's a little too old and a little too creepy from the jump for it to land. Totally. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, and besides that, you know what? After two mid-movies people gushed about, uh, I watched uh, some anime because I got myself two months of Crunchyroll for real cheap so uh, my niece could watch Spy X Family. I watched Spy X Family. It's fucking great. You should watch Spy X Family. And that's all I want to talk about. Boom. I mean, like <laughs> the other two animes I watched, I just I'm embarrassed to admit I watched them because they're about teenagers in love and they were fun. One's called Kaiusama, Love is War. I watched like the first season and a half out of three. It's adorable. I had a blast. And our dating story. It's adorable. I had a blast. I'm uh, I'm old today. And I feel I feel bad when I watch those and admit them in public. But you know, that's me. Don't, don't feel bad. I thought you were gonna say something like, you know, panty sniff explosion. No, no, no. I you mean know. Like, if somebody said, hey, this is really good, and that's what it was, I'd probably watch it anyway, but no. Yeah, no, okay. I look for cute things that make me feel about myself being old and bitter and dying alone. Yay. Ooh. I watched Totally Killer, which was a fun little time travel slasher movie. More Hot Tub Time Machine than Back to the Future, which is fine. I like Hot Tub Time Machine. Um, I love the lead girl. I think I think she's the lead in the Netflix Sabrina show, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she not, is. Okay, I have not seen that show, but I might now because of her, because she was fucking great in this movie. Um, the rest of the cast is actually a lot of fun, too. It's a solid little slasher comedy, it, just as good as something like Happy Death Day. And if you enjoy those, you will no, dig this. don't lie to people. I, I mean, I thought it was just as good as like Happy Death Day 2. Maybe not one, because Happy Death Day okay. one is awesome. Maybe I'll give you that one, but come on. The first Happy Death Day is its a cut above. Yeah, well, that's because Jessica Roth is a fucking goddess. So. Well, that's, that's true. You would bury Keogh her bathwater. I would slurp that shit up with a fucking just force in a, in a heartbeat. Um, and, and I watched Good Burger 2. Which I mean, <laughs> I guess it, it's it's just it's cute. Uh, it it's an entire movie built around nostalgia of the first Good Burger, which I have no problem with. If you like that movie in 1997, I saw that movie in 1997. It was fine then. It's fine now. Uh, you'll probably like this one. Um, Keenan and Kel are fine in it. The problem is they're like 40 year old men now and they're still playing the exact same characters they were playing in the first one, working at the same restaurant. Uh, it's just Kel. I don't know if it's Ken. Oh, yeah. Kel, he just fucking he's like 40 something years old and he's still playing that dumbass character from the fucking all that TV series. If, you, if you've never seen the show, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but it does not work when you're middle aged. Um, it's not the worst thing ever, though. There's like a ton of cameos in the movie, like from people like Young Gravy, which made me feel really fucking old because I have no idea who <laughs> it is. But uh, I guess he's a rapper. Um, 
but it's perfectly. He's boring. no two chains. No, he's definitely no two chains. Two chains, I know because he was around when I fucking to just my Keenan and Keller forty five. By the way, yes. Am I just getting so old? What kind of name is Young Gravy? Does he go on stage with somebody called Passa Parsnips? What the fuck is going on? He's a fucking rapper. I don't know. I I couldn't tell you a song. I just know he's a rapper in Good Burger 2 that cameos, and he gets a whole performance in there. So apparently people know who the fuck Young Gravy is that are watching Good Burger. Young Gravy is a contemporary of Little Liotti, probably. He was lucky to get past the baby batter stage is what he is. God damn it, I'm going to show it clouds. <laughs> and to be fair, Kel Mitchell's career has not been great over the last few years, so I understand why he would happily do... I mean, when's the, what's the last thing you saw him in? 2018 Double Dare episode, yeah. maybe? Probably. I feel like he's the... Um, who are the two guys in Clerks? Oh, um, yeah. Dante and Randall? Yeah, he, no, uh... Brian oh, O'Halloran and uh, no, 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 uh, Silent Bob and oh, oh Jay and Silent Bob, Bob. Yeah. yeah. I feel like he's very much for Jay, who needed a little boost from um his friend, who's doing a lot better. Well, no, because his friend's only doing better because he's on SNL, and once you're on SNL, you're set. And SNL can only have so many minority people on at the same time because you know. I, I'm not going to say what I'm thinking very loudly. I mean, Tyler, Good Burger 2 must have been better than you're making it out to be because you made space in your schedule of 20 Rebel Moon viewings. <laughs> it's, it's not, I mean, it's not terrible. I, I liked Good Burger when I was a kid. I thought it was, it was fun back then, but Good Burger 2 is just kind of, it kind of exists. It's okay. With a nice cameo from Young Gravy. So, if you like Young Gravy, <laughs> you'll like Good Burger too. I mean, I like gravy. It's uh, uh, here. Here's the best thing I can say about Good Burger too. It's better than How High Two, which stars Little Yachty. So there you go. It's okay. I'm not- Young I know Gravy he, is six foot eight. That is like his whole career right there. Fuck you guys. I know you all got together before I joined the chat and you were like, right, we're going to pretend there's this guy called Young Gravy and we'll no, chat about no, him. I'm looking him up. It's a real name. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and it's, and we'll spelled, see, it's spelled with a U. Y-U-N-G. We'll it. No. <laughs> it is. I'm not, I'm He's my hero. <laughs> He's six foot eight. He's... Uh, like I see people talking about like articles about him, but I can't even like his songs don't even come up when I search for him by name. Uh so I don't I don't know. He's oh he's a blonde honky. Yeah, he's he's a he's a, he's white a dude. six foot eight blonde honky. He's the tallest is, rapper in the world, yeah. according to tallestly.com. <laughs> Wait, like is that is that it? Is that like his thing? He he's just a tall white boy rapper. It's like the, his videos do not come up when I search for his name. I just googled him, right? And the first thing that comes is his message on X saying, "You ever start beef with an inanimate object and it gets out of hand?" Young Gravy messaging about beef online. This is a fucking joke. Well, Kevin, watch Good Burger 2 and you'll see a performance from Young Gravy. So check it out. <laughs> it's not terrible. It's not bad. Wait, wait till Tyler picks it. Yeah. Don't, I found, don't I found, I found a twice. picture of Young Gravy next to Danny DeVito. 
Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like apparently this is this guy's whole career. He just stands next to people and pretends you to be a rapper. A, you find me a porno, I'll start listening, but I don't <laughs> Photo's not gonna cut it. <laughs> He's tall. Kevin, if, if you get a package in the mail and it's a CD from Young Gravy, it's from Tyler. So just remember that. <laughs> but that's me. It would be so funny if uh, he, Kevin just got completely obsessed with Young Gravy. Just, just absolute white rapper look the lot. I really, I'm really hoping that happens. So send him the CD. Um... What did I watch? Uh, I I, uh, I put my top 10 movies of the year on Letterboxd about a week ago. And I've just spent the whole week like dismantling it because I, I keep watching new films and I keep watching really good films. Uh, First Assault Burn, I also watched that. Yeah, I really love that. It's, uh, I think it's really nicely shot. I like the score. I like the soundtrack. It's, uh, it's, it has a very... Um, <sighs> It's got a solid soundtrack. Uh, I can't believe there's a, there's a there's a huge movie that everybody's talking about that's got a Cheeky Girls song. You know, it's uh, it's quite something. Uh, I love the story. I thought it was well paced. I thought some genuinely subversive moments here and there. It it, it I think it, yeah, like like Dave said, it's mostly the casting that. That did it for me. Like Rosamund Pike is great. Richard e. Grant, Kerry Mulligan's Capio is great. Uh, Jacob Elordi was a real surprise. Uh, Alison Oliver, I really, really liked them, but I, I, I think I really, really liked the whole thing because of Barry. I love, I love, I love Barry. He's, he's kind of like, I think he's like the male version of Mia Goth, in that he's just this delightful little troublesome gremlin of an actor. Like, I'd watch anything he does. Just, just, I'd love to see them in a film together. I think Barry and Mia just belong together, just causing trouble. I mean, that's so what it is. They both what seem like they... What you're saying is he's a more successful, uh... Oh, crap. No, you keep talking. I'll remember his name. I, I, okay. <laughs> it's not, it is not my day. Like, the lights are on, but no one is home. That's fine. I'd love, I just like, I would love to see those two together. I it, it just occurred to me, oh Barry's a bit like me, Goff, and now I, I know I want them together. Kyle like, Gellner. I knew I'd remember it. Yes. Oh yeah, I like Kogar. I love Kogarner. Gorner. He's a, he's a more successful Kyle yeah. Gellner. Yeah. Yeah. He he's good, but he does not star in good films very often. Uh yeah, I like Saltburn. It, it drops the ball a little in the last fifteen minutes or so, but I, I just had a blast with it. Uh, so that went into my top ten, and then I watched Across the Spider Verse, which had to go in there as well because that is that is something. Like I don't think this is immediate or and maybe not as consistent as the first film, but its highs are just untouchable, just incredible. There's an escape sequence in the third act, and it just it just managed to make every other comic book movie of the last fifteen years kind of look like shit it was it's it's embarrassing now i think to 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 make an mcu movie when something like this exists which just blows it out of the water i mean the artwork is jaw-dropping in like i 
it's indescribably beautiful. I couldn't really, I couldn't really, you know, give you the words for how fucking beautiful some of it is and how inventive it is. The cast are flawless, I think. The heart that Shamik Moore and Hayley Stanfield give this thing just really can't be overstated. And the ending, I know a lot of people bitched because, you know, they felt like they paid for half a film. And uh, the last 10 minutes are not particularly graceful in the way that they're put together, but it leaves you, like, real deep in pants-shitting territory, like, real, real deep in that place where you're like, oh, my fucking God, I can't wait for this fucking movie. So it's kind of easy to forgive the odd little issue. I, I, I really liked it. And I could have it running all day with the sound off on my, t- my TV and just, just dip into it every now and then and just be, like, wowed by it. I mean, as a piece of animation, it is peerless, just stunning. Uh, and I watched Inside, uh, which is uh, it's a kind of a one man show with Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe is an art thief. He tr- breaks into a high rise apartment, steals some paintings, and gets trapped. And the owner is not coming home anytime soon. Uh, and I really like that. It, I think, uh, it might it kind of claims to be about you know something stuff like the subjective worth of art and so on. But to me, it was, it was about Defoe's evolving relationship with the song Hey Macarena, which plays three times. And, I? and his relationship with that song changes over those three uh, treats of the song Hey Macarena. And it's just, uh, yeah, it was, it was really special. Uh, Defoe's superb. If you're going to watch just one actor in a room, Willem Dafoe is a damn good choice, and the production design is great, and it's very nicely shot and well paced. It's it's not it's not incredible, but it's 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 a really solid one. If you like if you like people traps in things, movies like uh, the British one, The Hole, or uh, can't remember the one that's on the just a rip off of The Hole that's on a boat. Oh, uh, yeah, Harpin. Yeah, harpoon, harpoon. If you like people getting stuck in things and having a bad time, <laughs> and you like Willem Dafoe, I would I'd give Inside a give that a shot. Uh, and yeah, that's me. Has anyone else seen Inside? I haven't. No. Um, I don't think no. any of you would dislike it. I'm not. I'm not really giving it the hard sell there, but I think you'd all like it. No, that's me. This week, we watched the 2023 American comedy drama period film. Sure, that's what Wiki calls it. I disagree. Asteroid City. And the 2023 American space opera. Again, Wiki's words, not mine. Rebel Moon, part one, a child of fire. Hey, Craig. Yes. Would you like to pick a movie and tell us about it? Yeah, I, I will. I'll, um, let's just start with Rebel, Rebel Moon. Um, well, first of all, I want you to know, like, unlike other hosts on this podcast, and I'm not naming names, but the other people who appear on this podcast who are, you know, sipping on Haterade, you know, eating baked, 
potatoes, potatoes. Yeah. Jumping straight onto Microsoft Excel after the films, they can log films on their hater base. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not one of those people. That's not me. I uh, I decided I don't put any expectations, any like mouldering resentments aside for this one. I thought I'm going to go into Rebel Moon with as little, you know, preformed prejudice as I could manage. And I ended up really, really disliking it a, a, a great deal. Um, I mean, I, 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 really, I wanted to like it. And I think the thing at this point is it's just I love Tyler. I love Tyler, so I want to love Rebel Moon, but I could not. It's it's everything that I dislike about Snyder mixed with everything I dislike about Star Wars. So it's real, like, turd soup, really. That's, like, I don't think it's the worst film of the year, but I, I do strongly believe it contains the runaway, like, worst screenplay of the year. It is... It is horrendous. Like it's it's about twenty-five percent attempted poetic dialogue, which is so unwieldy that it you can see it tripping up the actors along the way because they don't really know how to approach it because it's just kind of nonsense. And then the other seventy-five percent is the most the most shockingly like prosaic expositionary dialogue I have ever heard. I'll give you a quick sample. I couldn't believe this when I when I heard this this little this little bit of dialogue. Tell me, Commander, did you think that would be good news that my daughter, Arphalis, one of our most dangerous and decorated warriors in the history of armed conflict, is now part of a blossoming insurgency? I'm supposed to be happy that she's joined forces with a genius battlefield commander, General Titus. It's, I, I honestly suspect there might be some sort of AI involvement that Snyder will never cop to. Like he let I, AI write some of this film and he was going to tell everyone when they praised the script, but they're, they're not doing that. So he's going to be, shh, shh, he's, he's, he's not going to tell anyone. Um, it's just a really bad script. There's no decent well building. There are no characters to speak of. And, you know, there's, there's this kind of these awkward, lazy flashbacks that are meant to flash out a heroine, but they they don't really work. Um, she's the most fleshed out character, but it's, it's kind of barely. It's entirely bereft of humor or levity, which is fucking insane. If you're making an off brand Star Wars, a couple of jokes, a couple of light moments. But there's there's nothing there. There's, there's kind of nothing in the script besides how to get from action scene A to action scene B, like everything else is written like filler. Uh, Coaster Mask, Coaster Mostly Bad. Uh, is it Butella? Butella? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She tries. She she really does try, God bless her. But she, I think she suffers the most with the bad dialogue. She's very speechified dialogue. And the, and it's just, it's it's bad. So it kind of makes us like a moron. Uh here we go. I apologise in advance. Jaimin Hunso. He gets passed because he's just naturally magnetic in a way that not even not even Zack Snyder can subdue. Um, I'm still confused as to whether or not I like Charlie Hunnam as an actor. This didn't help. You shouldn't. Like, I, you shouldn't. I know I want. I know I want to run him a bath, but that's that's not really getting us anywhere as you know, his, his worth as an actor. I still can't quite 
quite work him out. But everyone else is like various flavors of awful. Like Ed Screen, oh, he's he's if if you starved Nicholas Holt, and I mean starved him with food and starved his brain of oxygen, you get Ed Screen. He is fucking awful. Uh, Michael Michael Huseman is just a weird, charmless dead weight. I cannot work out why he's there. Uh, Charlotte Maggie is the not at all obvious princess, or maybe she is, or maybe she's not the princess, but I'm pretty sure she's she's the princess. She was intolerable. And Stasner is a fucking plank, just awful. I like. I don't know how to how he got an acting gig, but. Did you see him without his shirt on in the whole movie? The whole movie. He's in a spaceport in the finale. You know, it's not, there's no way it's warm enough to be shirtless. No fucking way. But he's shirtless because I, I don't know why. I don't know why. Can, if someone's going to be shirtless, come on, Charlie can take his shirt off. Not, not Staz. Not Staz. Charlie doesn't fucking look like that under his shirt. Oh no, he looks much better. That um, dude had a 30-pack. Yeah, but have you not seen, like, Sons of Anarchy was mostly, like, rich Charlie porn. Just, oh. and I don't even really like that look. Yeah, but that I, was I, 10 I just, years I just, I just ago. Like, Charlie is like Charlie, soft right? now. I, I, like, I just like Charlie, okay. Um, yeah, the action, the action is bad. I mean... It's really, it's, it's like 90% like showing off the different directions Sophia Boutella can rotate. Spoiler alert, you know, left and right. You know, the range of this woman. She can spin around left, she can spin around right. She can spin around left again. It's just, it's all the same. And the slow-mo is the most egregious it has ever been. Like... It takes all the weight, all the impact from the action sequences, as does the obvious like Netflix mandating editing, because that was obviously de- designed to you know blunt the violence to the point where just nothing has any weight. And you know, at least usually I can praise as that scientific. At least I can just say like it looks nice, but for you know for. But this person everyone talks about as a visual filmmaker, he sure can compose some of the ugliest fucking shots you've ever seen in your life. Like, the physical sets, the the costumes, the props, they look fucking great, but the CGI everywhere else is atrocious. Like the green screen work, particularly, in this, it's, it's, it's screensaver cinema at its absolute fucking worst. I mean... Yeah, I, I just, I did not, I did not like Rebel Moon. And you know what, I, I'm not particularly angry about it because I don't like Zack Snyder, I don't like Star Wars. I was never going to like it and it probably isn't for me. So maybe it doesn't really matter that I didn't like it. But yeah, I did not like it. I, I didn't drink any Haterade at the start of this film, but I think my body might be organically producing it at this point. I actually started a video board, a vision board at home called uh, Netflix Goes Bust Before April. So fingers crossed for that but no i'm i'm i did not like and i am not looking forward to the next one well we're not going to have a choice on that one <laughs> no um i didn't hate rebel moon 
now it has issues. I mean, it definitely has issues. Uh, I I agree. Char- Char- the script is terrible. Charlie Hunnanum is terrible. Charlie Hunnanum is usually terrible. Uh, I get folks love Sins of Anarchy, but the good parts of Son of Anarchy weren't Charlie. It was everyone else and the screenplay. I mean, Katie Siegel and Ron Perlman were amazing in that series. And Charlie Hunnanum was their kind of brain damaged Hamlet son. <laughs> Who was just kind of there. Yeah, he looked good with his shirt off 10 years ago. He doesn't have that body now. So now we got a guy with an 80-pack who is just a guy with an 80-pack in the background. Totally unoffensive. The The script is bad. I'm not going to disagree with that. It doesn't give anybody uh, time to be a character. The obvious heel turn is obvious because his two scenes of dialogue, he is twirling his mustache so hard. Hey, before we go to the place we're going to, can we just stop off somewhere? It's not a trap. Yeah. Promise it's not uh, a trap. I, I I adore. I adore. Um, I can't say his name properly. Damien Huju. I, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I ruined that. And he's fine with the 30 seconds he's given, but he's better in that than he was in uh, Shazam 2. So there's that. Uh, I like Duna Bay, despite, you know, they should have gone with the woman she fought in the first scene, which was played by Jenna Malone. Uh, it, it's got, I, I'm i happy to see Ray Fisher get uh, work for a couple minutes in Cleopatra. I mean, it's like the cast. I was cast, devastated when Bloodaxe died after yeah. all the minutes we'd spent together. Yeah, well, that's that's my problem. And this is uh, an issue with Snyder full stop these days. And it was an issue with him on DC. And it was an issue with him on his uh, zombie film. Instead of settling down and telling a good story, he envisions these huge things that he never gets to finish because he doesn't settle down and tell a good story the first time. And, uh, you know, that's that's an issue here. Um, there's so much exposition dump. And it... See, now a lot of folks are like, oh, it just reeks of a Star Wars ripoff. Well, Star Wars is a ripoff. Like, nothing in its original in either of them. This is just going over retreaded stuff that has been in every sci-fi since... Um, well, Rebel Moon also steals from Kurosawa, which just makes it... Oh, left and right. That makes, yeah. that makes it more Star Wars, given that that's what Star Wars did in the first place. Well, and, and even then, I mean, even even then, it it all comes from, like, you can trace a lot of this shit all the way back to Edgar Rice Burroughs writing the Barsoom series. Hey, that's a deep cut. And everybody knows how that. There's another that, one of the one of your books. Yeah, it's a book. It was book. a movie too. They they turned it into a movie not all that long ago, called John Carter, which suffered from same thing that really uh, suffer, Rebel Moon suffers from is, uh, it's just generic. And I don't. There's some really neat stuff in this. There's some gorgeous shots there's some awesome makeups that they don't choose to look at like the bartender they go into a 
backwater bar and there's this gorgeous bartender. It's a gorgeous design. It's this intricate machine thing with candles on the shoulders and we never get a good shot of it. Instead, we look at three women with blue makeup in fetish gear instead. And that's kind of the big problem with Rebel Moon throughout where there's glimpses of something that could be really good there and it fails to deliver. Uh, no, this isn't going to bankrupt Netflix. It's probably doing pretty good for them. And I hope, honestly, I hope Snyder gets a chance to build out the series the way he wants to. I, I hope he can build it into something epic, but he really needs to find a better writing partner because if they don't get better than this, uh, it's not going to happen. And I, re- I want it to happen. I think Snyder's a, a solid filmmaker who can't write a script to save his life. And remember that because I'm about to repeat that almost word for word in about <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, um, okay. I, uh, bizarrely enough, um, probably more in line with Dave here. I I like Snyder. I like Snyder as he presents himself. I like his uh, thought process behind, as he puts it. I think a lot of the a lot of the stuff that he puts on screen is envisioned as stuff he'd want to see looking cool in a movie and that's that's all well and good when it works and i think it's worked for him when uh you know love dawn of the dead still really like 300 i really like watchmen although there are obviously differences to source material and uh, some people would disagree with that craig and but, i craig well, and i yeah give me my squid <laughs> Um, and yeah, he just, he's, he's been allowed to sort of carry on with this excess of his style and this, um, I think inflated idea of the forward planning he could make while forgetting that you need to get the foundations laid first. Um, so Rebel Moon is something that I didn't have high hopes for, knowing it was basically going to be a, a bit of a Star Wars ripoff. But as you say, Star Wars is so derivative anyway, that's fine. But then I wasn't sort of calmed down by the opening scenes. Like when Sophia Battelle is doing that field work. I really thought that was just such a bad green screen stage with no atmosphere there. And I was worried if the whole film was like that, I was I was due to just give myself a lobotomy before the end credits rolled. Did you guys notice that when she was there? And one of the opening scenes, yeah. it, was, it was just so flat. Yeah. No texture to it. I, I was like, oh my God. I have thoughts about it. The green screen is very bad. Yeah, I have yeah. thoughts about it, but I wanted to wait until everybody had gotten their original stuff out because I have suggestions to improve it, but it's going to wait. Fine. Fortunately, I think it 
does improve. Not uh, not in those early scenes, but there are there are bits that that stand out. So when the plot gets kicked into motion, it's a very basic thing. Um, I think there are other times when you do start to see an effort being made with the world building. As Dave said, with the characters as well and the details, but you don't necessarily get to enjoy them because that character is there, that big barman, but Snyder's too busy sort of getting ready to play around and just do the cantina sequence. So that's what it is. But it's fun in terms of all the little bits that you see there, uh, some creature designs and some other characters. But it's undercut by being too, obviously, the cantina sequence. That's that's a shame. And then the uh, first sequence with Duna Bay, as uh, Dave mentioned, fighting the character played by Jenna Malone. I really like that sequence. But God, I hated that sequence. I really liked it, but it's in a vacuum. Like I didn't, I didn't think of what had come before it. I didn't feel to be anything really stemming from it of importance. It's just another incidental moment, which happened to be a highlight. Uh, I quite liked some of the uh, ending in terms of seeing uh, a bit of scale. Like I. I liked it later on when the bad guy ship was moving and you did get an idea of of it crawling along like a kind of large, you know, space freighter. I, I didn't mind that. But it's, it's individual moments. There was no consistency there with the quality of what you would see or uh, what you could notice in the detailing in terms of the the design, the green screen, the, the FX, whatever, uh, which is a real shame. I like Sophia Butella. I think she's a really interesting physical performer who hasn't just usually got the right roles or being the right stuff. It's a, a bit of a shame, um, but I always like her. She's she's been in some interesting stuff. She's in uh, Climax, isn't she? She is. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, right uh, yeah, I, I really like that. Didn't expect to. Um, it's, as Craig and Dave both mentioned, Jimon Hunzo is uh, in this and almost manages to make it out unscathed because of being so awesome, but still, it's a big ask for him alongside everyone else. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Charlie Hunnam in this. Uh, anyway, he's, he's just not good. I didn't mind Ed Screen as the villain. I thought it was okay, but then I have to agree completely with Craig's description of him. Anthony Hopkins voicing a robot character. And I asked Tyler about it, so I'm not going to get spoiler, but well, I don't think it is spoiler. There's a sequence or just like one scene that then shows that robot character. I think Tyler said it was in the trailer or the poster, just, um, you know, turning away from a field and looking like he's dressed up as the Green Knight. It's, that's the very last shot of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But it's, is, is he turning into the Green Knight? 
I well, he was wearing a garland of flowers the last time we saw him. There's obviously something weird and cultish going on with the robots that they didn't get into, despite explaining fucking everything else. Yeah, including the fact that they don't uh, fight back anymore, up until the point where he shoots someone. But uh, I was wondering if that was supposed to be uh, done in a way that he could say, whoopsie, but it still felt very much like he shot someone through the head. So it seemed a bit obvious. But, you know, I didn't... I. I didn't hate this for all its faults. Um, I agree with Dave in that it would be good if Snyder's setting something up for a few different stories, maybe uh, things that could work out better once the groundwork has been laid. I, I don't know. A, a, lot, a lot of people might dig it. I mean, the, the Snyder fans will dig it, but I've seen a lot of people uh, give this a go and then come back with comments about just being bored. I mean, that's just like casual film fans saying, you know, oh, I've got to check out Rebel Moon. And I've heard from a fair few people I know who've, who've gone down that road uh, just saying, well, that was a boring load of tripe. It is boring, I think, but it's... Um, as I say, it has uh, like moments to like. I preferred this to Army of the Dead. There's no doubt about that. Uh, this the the better moments in this are better than anything in Army of the Dead. Personally, uh, maybe just because it's easier to to do some nice shiny stuff in the realm of sci-fi space opera, but yeah. I'm I'm happy that Tyler's happy. I, I I'm also happy that I made him watch Asteroid City alongside him. Yeah, he just came swooping in like a fucking Ewok <laughs> with my Star Wars special. There, didn't you? <laughs> it's all right, though. It's all right. I survived. No, it. no, the Ewoks oh. were me, baby. I <laughs> I'm still proud of Caravan of Courage. Oh, the Ewoks. Um. We all plotted to ruin that for you. Awful people we are. <laughs> we all just sniggered away. Oh, I, I knew it was coming. As soon as one Ewok movie was mentioned, I'm like, I'm going to watch both Ewok movies from my Star Wars. <laughs> I'll survive. Uh, yeah, this this was my most anticipated movie of 2023. No surprise. I fucking mentioned it on this podcast a hundred times. Uh, I love sci-fi. I love Zack Snyder and... For me, it totally lived up to every single expectation I had going in. I was instantly hooked to our lead character, Cora. Uh, played, for me, I thought, so fucking well by Sophia Patella. She honestly might be my favorite action heroine since Alice from Resident Evil. She's badass. She's gorgeous. I just, I absolutely loved her as our lead. I'm not going to say I drink her filthy bath water, but I would. Um, I like the rest of the cast. Uh, I really like Charlie Hunnam. I had no issues with him or his accent. Uh, I thought that accent was a crime against the Irish people, and I'm sorry, Ireland. I have no problem with it. It is what it is. I just it, it's fun. whatever. His American accent in Sons of Anarchy, his real accent slips all the time. So yeah, just, oh no, no, his accents accent. suck. I don't know why they keep hiring him to do fucking accents. 
You, he's bad at it. I as thought, well, the first time I heard him speaking, I realised he was from Newcastle. That was really unexpected. Did he speak his native language in King Arthur? I can't remember. He did, right? I, I don't even... Does I can't remember. remember King Arthur? He definitely wasn't a full-blown Mancunian in a... Yeah. Modern Mancunian in, in it, I don't think. Oh, I he thought, even had it, an accent in City as Z, didn't he? Lost City as whatever that was. I haven't seen that one, but I, I, I can't remember King Arthur that well. I, it's not my favorite Guy Ritchie movie, but I remember not hating it. But I can't remember if he spoke his fucking native tongue in that movie. I don't remember. Um, I thought Ed Screen totally fucking rocked it as the villain. This actually might be his best performance to date. I, although I did like him in Deadpool as well. I always forget he's in that, but I, I liked him as a villain in that too. Um, Duna Bay was awesome as Nemesis. I. I just I I loved her character and I loved her metal lightsabers. I I can't pronounce his name to save my life and I'm not even going to fucking try because I love the man. But the actor that played Titus was awesome. Uh, really liked Ray Fisher as Blood Axe. I would love to see more from him. He's in the trailer for part two, so I think he is coming back or it's just a flashback. I don't know. I just I love these characters and I love this cast. Uh, the action is fantastic. I. But I personally love what Snyder does with action, and I've loved it since 300. I think slow-mo is fucking awesome, and I wish more action movies use slow-mo. It's why I like the dude who made Wanted so much. I, that's another dude I cannot pronounce his name, but I love Wanted, and I loved like Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. That dude uses slow motion just as much as Snyder. Um, Tim Burkatov? Yes, that dude. I like him. Uh, him and Snyder actually have a very similar style if you go like watch Wanted again. Very similar. Uh, the action here, though, it's well shot. It's well staged. That first action set piece in the barn with Korra taking out the rapist gave me fucking chills. I love that scene. The spider fight with Nemesis was fucking great. I love the weapon designs, the look of the guns, the laser sound effects. The Like I said, the heat, sword, light, metal lightsabers. I loved all the different planets. It's got its very own cantina scene which made me super happy yes it does have many similarities to star wars but i think snyder changes just enough to where it never feels like a carbon copy of the star wars universe i just i just i just think people had their claws buried deep into this movie before we ever even saw a frame of footage you know kind of like me with asteroid city uh but the internet has a hard-on for hating snyder they always have and uh, they wouldn't even give it a chance if they tried. And that's fine. But uh, for me, for me, he's one of the best action filmmakers working today. I adore his work. I fucking loved Rebel Moon. And I can't wait to see more of this universe in part two. And I hope it just expands from there. I am a big, big fan of this movie. It's probably in my top three of the year. Not probably. It is. I'm still rearranging my list. But it's definitely going to be in the top three for sure. But yeah, I love this movie a lot. Right. Sorry. No, go for it. I was just going to say, I, I don't disagree with Tyler about, um, you know, a lot of people having the knives out already for Snyder, but I mean, with him and his co-writers on this, they like, don't help themselves any <laughs> when they when they go out. I mean, that's one of the similarities between Snyder and Anderson. Like, you know what you're getting, and they lean so heavily into it. Both are like, I've compared both this week to it's like the Will Ferrell style of comedy where he makes a joke and then he carries a joke on so far that it's not funny and then he carries it on further again so it becomes funny again. 
to some people. And I, I think that sums up the the way both Anderson and Snyder have just like fully leaned into to what they do. That's all. I, I have a question. I mean, he had a good budget. He mm-hmm. had like $83 million per the first two films each. Why didn't he use one of the LED sound stages like uh, the Star Trek and Star Wars shows do? And, and other stuff lately. I think the creator used it. A bunch of stuff do. It looks so much better. You get an immediate view of how it looks. It, it's It's quicker and it's more cost effective than the green screen shit they did. Cause, Netflix. Because for me, that's what really, really ultimately, that's what hurts it. He obviously is going for like grand vision and he can't see it in his framing. So instead we get these rush jobs or or more blank like that alien planet. I get what they were going for. I see it. Uh, but what we get is really underwhelming. Why not just. Use that money because you had the money. I mean, they couldn't even get that one guy a shirt. They didn't have that much money. They had $83 million per entry. But anyway, Asteroid City. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for saving this one for me, Craig. Uh, Written, directed, and produced by Wes Anderson and his longtime co-writer, Roman Coppola. I have thoughts about Roman. I will share them in a bit. It is a metatextual (sighs) film about grief, loss, and junior stargazers. And how we order our lives even when the unexpected happens. It stars uh, Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Jeffrey Wright, Tilda Swinton, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Adrian Brody, Lee Schreiber, Hope Davis, Stephen Park, Rupert Friend, Maya Hawk, Steve Carell, Matt Dillon, Hong Chow, William Defoe, Margaret, uh, sorry, Margot Robbie, Tony Rivoli, Jake Ryan, and Jeff Goldblum, and eighty-eight percent of them are completely and totally wasted and just there to have extra famous people in. I. Okay. Wes Anderson and Zack Snyder both care a lot about the films they make. That is obvious. They're both craftsmen who make things they care about. They're both craftsmen who make things they deeply care about, who can't write a fucking screenplay to save their goddamn lives and keep working with the same brain dead fucks who also can't write screenplays to save their fucking lives. But hey, you know, at least... uh, Anderson's is a soulless fucking Coppola. Mm, That whole fucking family is a blight on cinema and art. I said it. Don't fucking care. Uh, It's it's gorgeous to look at. The sets are awesome. And they're all done in a certain way to be half finished because, God forbid, we don't rub your nose in every single theme that they have. Uh, but the screenplay is far too self-indulgent. It's far too up its own ass. Why why, why the fuck? Why the fuck is Edward Norton playing Tennessee Williams when it doesn't feel at all like a Tennessee Williams play? Except, oh, that way we can have a gay old dead 
uh, playwright. Ha ha ha. Why? Uh, Jeffrey Wright is totally wasted. Tom Hanks gives uh, the best performance he's had in years, to be totally fair. Uh, he doesn't play an absolute, totally trash, one-note cartoon. Instead, he plays a no-note cartoon. But at least it's something different. This whole, th it's just, it's just so affected and so divorced from emotion and anything. It's just theme, 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 theme done in the flattest way possible. And I understand that's, that's a popular approach now. It doesn't land for me. It doesn't land in, um, uh, the, the, the guy that made the lobsters work, although I like the lobster. But his other stuff, it's all, everybody's so flat. It just doesn't work for me. Jason Schwartzman is atrocious in this. He's atrocious. I Another Coppola, who I don't think has felt a human emotion in 30 fucking years. It, the way it handles grief is just trite. It, it, there's no wit. There's no charm left. It's just twee. It's all so empty and devoid of soul at this point. Now, I understand because of the themes, other people can read it completely and totally different. And I understand. I, I appreciate that. But for me, this was. This and Rebel Moon are almost the same film. They're movies by folks who are really talented that just don't hit the mark. Uh, the difference is this is smug about it. They stopped the film five times to say, what's the point? Well, yeah, that's the point. I fucking get it. Thank you so much for treating me like I'm a brain damaged sack of potatoes, Wes. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's fine. It's there. Yeah, I, I'm not going to watch it again. I prefer, you know, I don't even, it's just there. There's, there's not much to like. There's not much to hate. Why does 45-year-old Rupert Fringe rule on 24-year-old uh, Maya Hawkins? Nobody goes, oh, that's a little icky. Why is Jeff Goldblum even there? What what the fuck does he do except like he's in the background in a couple scenes? Like there's no point. There's no point for 80% of, of what's going on. And yeah, that's the point. But Why? Like, what, why stuff it except to stuff it with actors and be, hey, look, it's that actor. Ha ha. No, it just it doesn't work for me. It, it might land better for others. I mean, it obviously landed better for critics who just Kevin sevened all over it. But for me, uh, you know, I watched a movie that was a four point five and a movie that was a five. It just it just doesn't land for me. And it's it's a shame I wanted to. But it's just so tediously smug, and it does things just to do them. It's like the French Dispatch, where it, it just, like, it takes these real people, but instead of, like, doing those people, it turns them into caricatures and totally doesn't understand why their work was important or why it worked. And it's smug about it. Yeah, this is another Anderson film that just doesn't work for me. Again, I, I totally admire the craft that goes into it, though. But, dude, you got to stop writing with the Coppolas. Like, full stop. Uh, okay, okay. Um, 
yeah, a shocking twist incoming. I know I, the number one Dick Ride or Die Wes Anderson fanboy here. Biggest Wes Anderson fanboy on the show. And yeah, I, 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 I loved Asteroid City and I kind of knew that I would. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Does anyone need a quick, like, five for shocking revelations, or should I just... Well, hold on. Hold, look, because it'll make you feel better. All right. Are you ready? Okay. <gasps> yeah. Oh, my yeah. God! <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a shocker, as as you can tell by Dave's reaction. Um, yeah, I, I... It's probably one of my... It's probably one of my favorite uh, Wes Anderson films. I mean, for a start, like, you know, it's a Wes Anderson film, which means, like, the craftsmanship on display... From from its first shot until the last fucking shot of his film is kind of breathtaking. Like, it's not my favourite Anderson film, but I think it's probably his most beautiful film in terms of the production, like the, the production design, the sets, the costumes, the props, the miniatures. It's all, they're, they're fucking exemplary. Like, and each and every shot, every shot is perfectly fucking composed to capture it all, like the thousands upon thousands of fucking tiny little details dotted throughout the, the retro futurist designs and little visual nods to Hopper and, and Rockwell. It's like visually, it's almost like exhaustingly brilliant. Like I was checking it, just eyes darting around the frame for these little details. This, I don't think there's a single frame of this. I wouldn't put up on my wall. I think visually it is just, it's stunning. Uh, I, I love the cast. I think there are probably too many to praise. I don't mind that most of them had a couple of lines each because uh, I really enjoyed everyone. But um, I'll just pick some standouts. Uh, Hank's absolutely best he has been in actual full decades. Decades since he's been this good. I just I just liked his character, like the old school guy old school man's man trying to make sense of this senseless senseless situation i i really enjoyed him like the scenes of him negotiating his gra- negotiating with his granddaughters are really sweet and and endearing it's that thing that hanks was known for but just you know it's like a bit of a rougher edge to it which i really liked um scarlett johansson she she was a big highlight i thought she absolutely like nailed the, the kind of deadpan sadness that lots of lots of uh, Anderson's uh, characters have, but she uh, she pulled it off better than most. Uh, just the way she has these curious trains of thought that play across her face like beautifully when she's really not doing very much. It's really 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 impressive. I I I like Jeffrey Wright. He didn't get a huge amount to do. But I really liked him. I think he he just fits fits Wait, Anderson Jeffrey like a Wright. glove. Should be a crime. And I don't that's think what they he'd did. consider himself wasted. But uh, he, he, and he made me laugh about every time he appeared on screen. I thought he was really good. Brian Cranston, too. I wonder, I don't know if he's about to become a little member of that troupe, but he just he, he fit the, the Anderson mold. I mean, the best the best cast members are the, are the young cast members. I think they stole it for me. Like Jake Ryan, Grace Edwards, Sophia Lillis, uh, Ethan, Josh Lee, they they were really good. The heart for me came from the young cast members who were really, really strong. It gave me Moonrise Kingdom vibes. And the whole cast was just great for me. I'd call it his best cast, but competition is pretty fucking fierce. 
in, in that respect. Um, totally agree, disagree with the, uh, Dave take on the script. I think it's, I think it's phenomenal. Like on a couple of levels. Like first, I think it, I thought it was hilarious. I, I laughed. Oh, I, I barely laughed right the way through this film. Uh, I laughed at the third problem. I laughed at lines like, uh, "Yeah, she's she's in the Tupperware." I laughed at the uh, the pose, that the brief pose for that photo. I I really laughed at the the alien on every one of the Rorschach tests. Um, I really, really was amused by this little brief spell of animosity between Wright's character and Ethan Josh Lee's uh, Lee's face when Wright kind of formally announces to everyone that he's setting aside his differences with Ricky Cho was was priceless. Uh, and I loved, um, I think probably my favourite line was the one between um, uh, Johansson and uh, Coppola. Is he a Coppola? Yeah. Schwar- Schwartzman, well, yeah. Schwartzman, but he is a Coppola. Yeah. There's a, little, there's a little exchange between them, which is, um, I have a nude scene, want to see it. Small pause. Uh, did I say yes? You you didn't say anything. I, that that really made me lots of stuff in this film really made me laugh. Just there were even tiny little gags like the the hours of operation sign on on the crater. Yeah, just it just it really made me chuckle. It kept me like amused throughout, and I could have it could have easily coasted along like that as a silly, funny ensemble comedy, and I I would have dug it, but I don't think it does. I think. For me, this is a film where you can take away as much meaning from it as you want to. You know, for this, there are themes of themes of grief, denial, uh, the way the world we craft, intentionally craft sometimes keeps us from the the connection we need, the romance of mythology and staking your place in time, the idea that both science and arts, you know, are born out of the same basic creative impulse. There are all these like fascinating ideas bouncing around, you know, in the background. And Anderson, he's not, he's not giving you the answers. He's not arrogant enough to say, you know, here are the answers, you know, to these, you know, these, these things I'm pondering. He just wants you to take a minute and ponder them along with him, which is, which is what art is at its core. I mean, I get when people, I get why people don't like Wes Anderson, but he is, he is sincere and he is, he is truly an artist, which is, I don't know, which is why I appreciate him. I mean, uh, it doesn't matter if you understand the play, he wants you to keep telling the story, which, you know, I just I, I appreciate the man, and I just thought I thought this was one of one of his stronger films. And you know what? I I didn't totally understand the play. There are bits that I'll have to go back in because some stuff went way over my head. But um, yeah, I found it fascinating, and I just you know I, I just I just love my Wesley baby. I I wish I could love him like you do, like. Like I, I wish I could love Snyder the way Tyler does. I, I think that that's, oh, that's my problem with this episode. I'm just jealous that I can't love either like you guys do. Or you see, I don't always people. think I'm going to either. Every time we get, How? and it's, I watch more of them on this show. Like we we watch another Wes Anderson film. We're like maybe this is the one that's going to let me down. 
And I don't know, I guess I just I guess I just vibe with Wes and I think I I just I just they have a gentle quality that makes me ponder and I don't know, just great cast, look great. I don't know, I just you know I love my Wessie baby. I'm sorry, Tyler, I said that twice. Um Craig, I love yeah. you. I love you with all my heart. Aww. And, uh, you're forever my hashtag cinema soulmate. Aww. But I'm you two just really... fucking get a pink trailer and move into it already? Sorry, Stephanie. But I'm going to be really mean to Wes Anderson here. Okay. I like nothing about this movie. But I love you. Just remember that. And yes, I know all the negative shit I'm about to say can be equally said about any of the filmmakers I love. And that's fine. And I know it's true. But this was my least favorite thing I've watched all year. Not the worst. There's a difference. I'm not one of those fucking drool cups that fucking put the notebook under what's the worst movie you've ever seen question. On <laughs> I'm not an idiot. And that's just really fucking stupid. And that just shows that people don't watch actual bad movies like a Karate Christmas Miracle or Born into Mom. <laughs> <laughs> so I do really try with Anderson. I know it seems like I don't, but I really do. I'm going to say something nice, actually. Really nice. He came out of the gate strong with Bottle Rocket. I think Bottle Rocket is pretty goddamn great. Just for the love of God, somebody pick Bottle Rocket. <laughs> Pair that shit up with Rebel Moon Part 2. Just do it. It'll be the last April, one we baby. pick, providing he doesn't keep putting out films at this kind of rate. Because uh, then we'll never get to Bottle Rocket. <laughs> oh, the new Wes Anderson is out. Just, yeah, April, baby. Come on, let's do it. Rebel Moon Part 2 and Bottle Rocket. It'll be a great episode. But after Bottle Rocket, he made Rushmore, and then he made the Royal Tenenbaums, and then he made The Life Aquatic, and that was where I vowed to never watch anything from him again unless I was forced. And now many years later, much to my dismay, I've watched every one of his fucking <laughs> movies. All of them. Every goddamn Wes Anderson movie not, I have. Not yet. There's more on the list. I think I've seen them all, though, like... Well, you've seen more Wes Anderson films than I me. Mean, yeah, you've seen more than we've covered. That's on you. I'm pretty sure I have. I, don't I know. made I, a... I, I made the same pledge after Steve Zazu, but you know, here we maybe are. I, maybe I have. I don't know. I don't really keep track of Anderson, to be honest with you. But uh, now we're here. We're at Asteroid City, which just for me may have topped Life Aquatic as his very worst film. Um, I hate the Life Aquatic, but I I dislike this one more. I thought this was terrible. And this is where I'm going to get mean, Craig. Okay. Remember, remember I love you. Um, I, Anderson, I will. Anderson now, and I know you can say this about a lot of filmmakers that I love, I know, he's like a complete parody of himself now to the point that I can't even mock the man because it's kind of so desperate and sad. Uh, this movie was like someone wanting to make a Wes Anderson movie so bad that he just did a complete carbon copy of all the quirky bullshit Anderson makes. But surprise twist. It's actually Wes Anderson who made the movie. Kind of like Brian De Palma in Passion. You guys seen that one? You've seen that movie Passion by Brian De Palma? Oh, yeah. That was like someone wanting to make Brian De Palma so bad that it just came across like 
but just like total carbon copy. But it was actually made by fucking Brian De Palma. That's what Asteroid City is to me. Oh, but you know, the Joe Passion was a remake. Was it? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it's a French. I can't remember if it's French, but I ended up seeing the remake after. I saw Passion and know exactly what you're on about. And then I saw the original uh, something later. I was like, oh, this is familiar. And realized that Passion had been redone from that. Yeah, the original is called um, Love Crime, I think. That rings a bell. Yeah, it's, surely it's Tyler would have seen with, any um, French films called Love Crime. With, uh, <laughs> it's it's a Kristen Ta- Scott Thomas film. It's the last one by um, oh yes, because is, is it the, McAdams and Numi Rapace in the De Palma film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I shouldn't I shouldn't dislike a lesbian Nomi Rapace and uh, what's her name um, Rachel McAdams lesbian crime movie, but I dislike that movie strongly. Uh, but I do love Brian De Palma. Uh, Wes Anderson, though, I mean, his movies are like the embodiment of people who shop at Whole Foods and buy vinyl records of Arcade Fire and Death Cab for Cutie, just while rocking beanies and glasses with no lenses and drinking a grande frappy from Starbucks. Craig feels more seen than he has been in years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just such hipster fucking bullshit and i hate it uh, those stupid fucking mock trailers of what if wes anderson made star wars are actually better than the, just the um, the emotionless bullshit he spews out now the cast here is shit i mean and this is the stacked cast of actors that i normally really like a lot scarlett johansson i really like william defoe edward norton adrian brody i love all these actors and they're awful here I just I can't blame the actual cast, though, except for maybe Jason Schwartzman, because he is always fucking awful. He just sucks. But for the most part, the the cast here, I usually like and they're usually good. But Anderson has a way where he directs his actors to give these awkwardly stilted performances. It just everybody acts so robotic. It's just it's actually painful to watch. I can't stand the way his characters speak. It makes my fucking ears bleed. I'll give it this. The production design is fine. The actual sets are fine. I think visually, the movie looks ugly, though. I'm sorry, but the color grading in this looks like garbage. It looks like a fucking retro Instagram filter. It made my eyes hurt. Just the absolute worst thing this movie does, though. It asks the question, what does it all mean? And I just it never goes beyond that fucking question at all. Like I said, I love Craig. And I love his love for Anderson, just like you guys love my love for Snyder. And I'll always respect someone who loves a filmmaker. And and I'm not dissing the fans of the movies. You like the movies, you like the movies. Just like that's just the way the world works. You like them, you like them, you hate them, you hate them. I really hated this movie passionately, but I'm happy Craig loves it. There we go. Oh. And then yeah, I'm happy for you, and I'm so happy you're getting two Snyder films this year. You know. Yes. Well. This year and one next year. I'm I'm glad glad that's happening for you. Yeah. I'm not particularly thrilled that I'm gonna have to watch them, but I'm glad for you. And I'll always watch your Wes Anderson movies, even though it pains me, but I'll watch it because I'm just we, like that. We'll we'll both put up with it for each yeah. other. Yeah. I love you, Tyler. I love you too. Oh and I'm happy that we'll watch Rebel Moon Part 2 with uh, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Oh, oh, make oh, me oh, fucking sick. A wrestling Christmas miracle. 
Oh, always. Yeah, at always least Grand that Budapest one. Hotel. That one's in my side Come on. Pocket. Be nice to me. <laughs> um, it's funny because I know that Tyler knows this, but everything, almost everything, he was saying about Anderson could be applied to Snyder. That's, I, I, I just think that's inherent in the way they are with their singular vision style what have you that they've they've moved further and further into to the joy of many and the absolute hatred of others so it was interesting to realize they aren't too far apart in some ways although they are in others we all know that i picked asteroid city because it would make me chuckle knowing <laughs> that I wanted to watch it on the same because of Rebel Moon. He's kind of everything good here. But uh, I actually really enjoyed it. I, um, I'm not sure if I enjoyed it as much as Craig. I don't know, though. It's definitely a contender for one of my favourite Anderson movies. I, I thought it was really funny. Like, yeah. I I laughed a lot. The the structure with the play and and then coming in out of character was was maybe that extra level of artifice that Anderson needs that I don't think the movie necessarily does. But I still enjoyed uh, those moments, particularly when Ed Norton was around. Uh, they were good. I liked his uh, stuff with Schwartzman. But yeah, the um. But I think the one that got me most was uh, Schwartzman uh, explaining to his kids eventually about the mother being dead and then someone saying, or I can't remember, it might have been Schwartzman himself saying, let's say she's in heaven, which doesn't exist for me, of course, but you're Episcopalian. Yeah, uh, Schwartzman. That just really tickled me. Just the uh, the line and the delivery. I think Schwartzman's really good in this. I think his style uh, has often worked with Anderson material and it works really well here. I agree that um, Scarlett Johansson's great in conveying a lot through her expressions, trying to keep everything sort of bottled in and the, the little ticks that register things. I agree that Hanks is doing great work here compared to, you know, the stuff he's been coasting along with for, got to say, most of the the past decade. Um, I think it, I think it looks gorgeous throughout. Um, I agree that a lot of the younger cast members absolute scene stealers whether it's uh, I didn't write down everyone's names but uh, the Schwartzman's kids are wonderful but there was also the young lad that's just like dare me to do this yeah. do that and then immediately just go off to do it um, he was a lot of fun there, there are too many people crammed in here just for the sake of cramming them in uh, I, I can't recall if Matt Dillon has more than one scene it's a fun scene uh yeah because he also well i mean he shows up for a couple sight gags right okay i wasn't sure if he wondered about when the the uh the singers were there and the singing cowboys yeah. 
Uh, I was too distracted at that point by Jarvis Cocker looking <laughs> looking like the next evolutionary leap for Harry Dean standing. <laughs> That's what struck me with that. But uh, Steve Carell is fun in his small role. Uh, Adrian Brody, you know, I liked I liked Cranston in his small role. Like I liked seeing everyone pop up, although it was brief. But I I do get it. Like it's it feels it feels much like the the sort of the story being within the play structure feels like this unnecessary extra touch to everything. And it is it's, it's Anderson indulging himself, um, being indulgent with the the structure and the script, and in a way though. I think more than his other films, it gives a good excuse, a good reason for his style being just writ large on the screen because it is you're watching this as it is a play. And I I think that's fine. I think, you know, better than some of his other stuff because it has that explanation there. Not that he needs it because he does what the hell he wants and it looks gorgeous and lots of people love his stuff anyway. But I think it's a good way kind of to open the window into his mind being put onto film. So although it started as a, a bit of a cheeky joke, it, it was also a film, though, that I did want to check off as one of my, you know, 2023 films I should see before the year ends. So it wasn't just to amusingly torture Tyler. Mm. I just thought the juxtaposition would work well. And then when I got around to watch it, I re- I really enjoyed it. And so, torturing I mean, Tyler was a bonus. Yeah, absolutely. Like while watching it and thinking of Tyler being tortured, it was a 10 out of 10 viewing experience. Would highly recommend. <laughs> thinking of rewatching it without Tyler having to watch in the same week. I don't know. It might it might get higher than a Kevin Seven. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, actually, though, I do, I do think it's uh, it's up there and is definitely in the, the top half of his work. I I really enjoyed that, and yeah, uh, much like Snyder films that will appeal to Snyder fans, Anderson films are always going to appeal to Anderson fans. I can't see any of them being disappointed with this. And then if you don't like them by now, you're just not going to like them. And then there's Dave. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I don't think I could ever watch me. one of these films with Tyler because I'd just be, I'd just be looking at Tyler. And watching Tyler react to the, to the Wes Anderson would be <laughs> just fascinating. Just, just, just. I mean, to be fair, inches away, just staring right at him. It's fun because Tyler had a big box of tissues beside him for each movie this week, but for very different (laughs) people. Exactly. That's why there's so many tissues across my floor right now. (laughs) (sighs) Anderson also would have been better suited used with an LED stage, but whatever. It's it's time. It's time to pick one. Don't everybody rush at once. That's no, the right city. Yeah, it's the same. Same for me. Well, I mean, 
zombies, right? Rebel Moon. Son of a bitch. Yeah. um, Well, on the one hand, it's an immaculately crafted piece of cinema by someone who deeply cares about it with a screenplay that sucked. On the other hand, it's an immaculately crafted (laughs) piece of cinema by someone who truly cares about it with a screenplay that sucked. Uh, Honestly, for me, this week, it it comes down to which one I can see myself sitting through again. And um, I'm going to swear this is not for revenge (laughs) to, to Kevin. It, it's not I, – I would probably watch Rebel Moon again, and I'll never watch Asteroid City again. Um, it's just, you know, it was close for me, but I, it, it's a split this week. I'm, I'm sorry. Son of a bitch. But next week, we start um, January, as is our oh, tradition. First January in ages. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, you've you've missed quite a few Japanuaries. And to celebrate yeah. that, my uh you and I are picking and the first pick is is mine. And I decided to to do a little uh, a throwback that also um scratches an itch that most listeners have. Whenever I don't force Tyler to watch an anime for a while, people email me and go, "Dave, why haven't you picked an anime in Japanuary?" So I'm going to do that. And do you remember what our first January movie was? Mm. Anti-porno by, uh, from Nippon. So yeah. I'm going for another adult Nippon film that's an anime that will make everyone happy and is totally self-referential in uh, its content. Yay us. I'm going for the art house erotic exploitation uh, <laughs> Anti other things, uh, anime <laughs> from 1973, uh, Belladonna of Sadness. Oh, okay. People really want me to love anime, don't they? Yeah, some people really want you to love anime. We want to send you, get you into that an anime, and then send you to really explore and bring us back things that from from places we don't want to go. But we will send you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, I I haven't picked a film, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna pick one out of my cupboard. Um. It, I'm going with sh- I don't know how to pronounce his name. So here we go. Shoei Imamura. Yep. Yeah, let's go with it. Shoei Imamura. Uh, uh, pigs and battleships. I know nothing about it. I just know I'm going to finally like break into the most expensive box set I've ever bought. Yay! Woo! Uh, you can email us at readersofpodcast at gmail.com where you can give us suggestions, give us feedback, give us random mysteries of love. We're on Instagram, readers underscore of underscore the underscore podcast there is a facebook page where tyler sadly gets there a bit too late some weeks even with his Zack snyder love but uh there's usually a wednesday post or other things that pop up there now and again youtube channel where i try to get a video up there once a week even if i'm just saying merry christmas and happy new year and 
like, rate, review, subscribe everywhere that the podcast is and give us lots of affection because we are starved of affection and that is all we crave. Totally flaccid. Give give it back to Tyler. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Jesus, totally flaccid just gives me flashbacks to bad days. <laughs> Uh, as always thanks for listening thanks for joining me guys Uh, I'm excited for for next week as and happy birthday to Dave yay Dave's birthday right right now not when you're listening to this but no but right now right now yeah woo well we had a lot of luck on Venus we always had a ball on Mars Meeting all the groovy people, we've rocked the Milky Way so far. We dance around with Borealis, we're space trucking round the stars. 